Welcome to r slash, a podcast where I read the best posts from across Reddit. Today's subreddit is r slash malicious compliance, where OP turns his toxic neighbor's yard into a lake of dog pee. Our next Reddit post is from Strong Abbreviations. So, I have a Karen for a neighbor. She's a grumpy old grunt with a live-in son in his 40s and no other family or friends. And when I say that she's a Karen, we're talking that she came onto my property to yell at our landscaper about a boulder that we were installing on our property. Something about her believing that it would fall over also onto our property. A few months after we moved in, we received a letter from the HOA saying that they'd received complaints, and they asked to make sure that we were mowing our yard, watering the plants, and maintaining everything. I chalked it up to moving into a nicer neighborhood, and I made an effort to mow twice a week instead of my normal one time, and I added a little time to the sprinklers, and I figured everything was good. Apparently, it was not all good, because we received another letter stating the complaints had continued, and the HOA wanted to talk to us to see what the problem was. I should note that we had just moved in not that long ago, and we hadn't landscaped the backyard yet, so we were letting our dogs pee on the front yard at night, which led to inevitable patches of bright green grass that grow stupid fast. Now, I'll freely admit that I don't keep my yard to the same level of some of my neighbors, but it was in pretty good shape outside of some green spots in an otherwise average-looking yard, and I do my best to keep things mowed and looking decent. Turns out, our grumpy grunt of a neighbor had taken real offense to this and started complaining to the HOA. When we had the meeting with the HOA, she basically devolved into incoherent rambling, but the bottom line was that she didn't like how our lawn looked with those green spots. While the HOA agreed that this wasn't her business and definitely not theirs, I decided that she was right and we would stop letting our dogs out in the front to pee because I also didn't like the green spots. Now I put them on the leash and let them do their business in her yard. And I'm clearly not the only one because her yard is now covered in pee spots and dead spots. I'm pretty sure that she's complained about everyone with a dog, and now the entire neighborhood takes their dogs to her yard. The best part? She actually does a terrible job of taking care of her lawn. She has weeds and crabgrass everywhere, and she just waters it almost non-stop. So, today, I got to report her to the HOA because her yard looks like total garbage. If it were any other house, I wouldn't care at all, but this lady wanted lawns without spots, so I'm just doing my part to enforce her rules. So, I think what's going on here isn't so much that everyone in the neighborhood is intentionally taking their dog to pee in their yard. As a dog owner, I can say that one thing that dogs love to do is pee on spots that other dogs have peed on. I kind of think it's like the dog version of liking someone else's Instagram post. Like, whenever I walk Hugo, he knows that certain areas in the street are like hot spots for dog pee activity. So, he'll go outside and he'll pee, but he'll save some pee specifically for that spot. So, I think that's probably what's happening here. (laughs) It's not that the owners are malicious. It's that OP inadvertently set off some kind of dog pee snowball, where the more dogs pee there, the more likely it is that other dogs will pee there as well. Our next Reddit post is from Veterinarian Hole. When my significant other and I moved into our house some 20 years ago, our neighbors on one side were an elderly husband and wife who we got along with very well. Our two houses shared a driveway that ran from the street to the alley behind our houses, and we each had our own parking area in the back. The driveway was set up so that about two feet of it was on our property and the rest was on our neighbor's property. The driveway was right up against the neighbor's house and about eight feet from ours. We also made it a point to not park in the driveway so that we didn't block each other's way, and we had no problems for 15 years. Sadly, the sweet neighbors died about five years ago, and their house was bought by Mike. 
a man who regularly bought old houses to rent and resell, and who clearly didn't care about anything except for profits. The first time that we ever met Mike was right after a car had hit our house. The driver had a stroke and lost control of his car while driving down our street. The front of his car was actually inside of our house. So here we are, freaking out because a car is literally sticking out of our house. Surrounded by a crowd of onlookers, police, and emergency workers. When Mike saunters over and introduces himself by saying that the entire driveway plus part of our garage are on his property. We tell him that he's wrong, but this is not the time to discuss it, and we'll get back to him later. We do some investigating and discover that the property line is exactly where we knew it to be, and that the map Mike was using had the property line overlay off by about two feet. Nevertheless, Mike continues to harass us and tell us that we can't use the driveway any longer because he's going to rent the place out, and it would be a liability to have us driving on his property. Fine, we talked about putting in our own driveway, and this was as good a time as any. Mike was quite pleased when we told him that. At least, he was until he learned that the new driveway was going to be right next to his driveway along our property line. He tried to talk us into putting the driveway on the other side of our house. Obviously, so that he would still have use of the full existing driveway, which sat two feet onto our property. The look on Mike's face when he saw where the surveyor drew our property line was absolutely priceless. The property line left just barely enough room for a car to fit on his side, and he couldn't widen his driveway because it already ran right next to his house. So we used a chunk of our lawn on that side to install a nice wide driveway with riverstone gravel so that it would be obvious where our driveway ended and Mike's very narrow blacktop driveway began. Mike never spoke to us again. Down in the comments, we had this story from Jeremy Ladeau. We have an old lady who lives next to us. My brother and I bought our house together. We would always snowblow her driveway, help her with her chores, and I even went over and fixed her toilet, her laptop, etc. If my car was ever blocking my brother in our driveway, he would occasionally drive over our lawn, then go out on her driveway, which abuts our backyard lawn. One day, we received this rambling chicken scratch letter signed by her and two of her geriatric friends as witnesses to not use her property. That's fine, it's her right. I just hope your 80-year-old witnesses are willing to come over and help you shovel your driveway. Because now, I won't even piss on your house to put it out if it were on fire. I think I've told this story before, but I had this neighbor at the apartment I used to live in, and there was this woman in there who was older and really, really overweight, and clearly she struggled to walk. She, there were these like maybe 10 steps going up to her apartment and I would see her, she would like literally put one foot on one step, then slowly put the second foot on that same step. Like she would take one step at a time, then slowly up to the second step, then take her second foot to the second step, then slowly up to the third step, then slowly bring her second foot up to the third step. I'm dragging this out because I want you to understand just how long it took this lady to go up these steps. Like, she was really, really slow. You know, I felt bad for her because obviously she was, like, physically not very capable of going up the steps. And one time I see her, like, going up the steps and she's carrying a bag of groceries. And she has maybe, like, eight bags at the foot of the stairs going up to her apartment. And so I'm like, okay, fine, whatever, I'll just help her. So I grab two bags of groceries, walk past her, put it at the front door, then go back to grab more. And so I do, like, four trips or so. And in the time that it takes me to do 
four trips of going up these 10 steps across the long walkway to her door, putting the bags down, and then walking all the way back. I have literally done this four times in the time that it took her to bring one bag of grocery to the front door. And this whole time, this woman didn't say a single word to me. All she did was just scowl silently at me like I had just, I don't know, pissed on her puppy dog or something. She was really giving me the stink eye, and I didn't know why. I couldn't figure it out. And it's like, well, whatever. I guess I won't help you anymore. No big deal. So the next time I walk by and I see her trying to bring groceries up the stairs, she stops and just scowls at me as I walk past her. (laughs) And yeah, I walked past her. I didn't help her with the groceries because if you're going to treat me like I'm some kind of enemy, then no, I'm not going to help you, lady. This is, by the way, the same lady who stole a grocery cart from the local grocery store, brought it home, and I guess what she did was she would take groceries from her car, put it in the stolen grocery cart, and then walk the grocery cart to the steps as an easier way to transport the bags there. And then afterwards, she would literally just leave the grocery cart out like in the middle of the walkway, the shared walkway. And it made it made the apartment building look kind of trashy, to be honest. So some other like Good Samaritan, I guess, stole the shopping cart that she had stolen and took it back to the grocery store. And then, like a week later, it was back. And this kind of went back and forth for a while until eventually this <laughs> this woman bought like a bike lock. And when she wasn't using the grocery cart that she stole, she locked the cart to like a tree or something. Then, believe it or not, one of our neighbors bought like, I guess, bolt cutters. Or they just brute forced the lock because it was one of those combination locks that had like, I guess probably it would have been about 10K combination. So you could have brute forced it, I guess. Anyway, they cracked the chain and and restole the shopping cart and took it back to the grocery store and then they stuck up this like long note saying how it was trashy and you shouldn't steal and if you keep stealing shopping carts from the grocery store they're going to call the cops on you so this (laughs) this neighbor of mine she was just a trashy sucky negative nasty human being who didn't have an ounce of kindness If I were physically disabled and I struggled to walk and I had to bring eight, 10 bags of groceries and some younger person came up and helped me with it, I would have said, thank you. You know, you just saved me a literal hour of painful walking back and forth. But this person couldn't be spared to even give me a smile. Sometimes I wonder, you know, maybe maybe she couldn't talk. Maybe she was mute. I mean, some people can't talk. Sure. But even then, she could have at least looked me in the eyes and smiled as some way to say thank you for saving me an hour of misery. But, you know, some people are just going to be jerks. Whatever. If you're going to be a jerk, you're not going to get any help from me. Our next Reddit post is from Pipe Organ Transplant. I live in a mostly quiet neighborhood with lots of snowbirds and weekenders because of the proximity to a lake. The year-rounders are mostly retired people, and people generally get along fine. A couple of years ago, neighbors on one side built a new garage and driveway using their cars much closer to my existing Forsythia hedge. I love the Forsythia in the spring, and I basically let it grow however it likes so I can have bright yellow flowers. Almost immediately, they started complaining that the hedge blocked their view as they backed out of their driveway. In my state, neighbors have no right to a view extending over someone else's property, and our Supreme Court has repeatedly ruled that as long as trees and bushes don't actually impinge onto the roadway, then property owners have no obligation to trim for visibility. I keep a 5-foot strip mode between the hedge and the road, perfectly reasonable to my way of thinking. Since my neighbors have no recourse regarding the hedges, they instead complain to my county code enforcement about anything they can think of. My brother parked his licensed and insured project truck on my property a while back because he was in the process of moving and he needed a spot for it while he was figuring things out. 
In the meantime, he was in a bad accident in another vehicle and the truck has been sitting there for over a year now. The license plate recently expired and I got a letter from the county with threats of fines if it wasn't removed. Cue the malicious compliance. My brother decided to sell the truck for scrap and had it towed away this morning. This gave my neighbors their temporary victory because it gave nearly six inches of improved view from their driveway. At least until I moved my second vehicle, a 1960 Lincoln, which is about two feet longer than the truck, back into that exact same spot. As a single person with more than one vehicle, I may get around to driving that old car at least once more before winter. Down in the comments, we have this story from the philosopher Kim. A guy I work with had an old truck with a dump bid for a side job of tree removal. It was pretty beat up looking, but it had current tags and he used it every weekend. His neighbors constantly complained about it being an eyesore, and they wanted him to park it somewhere they couldn't see it. They live in the mountains, so there's no HOA and no rules about where you can park on your property, so he kept the truck wherever he wanted it. One day, his neighbor came over and got nasty with him about it. So he painted a giant middle finger on the dump bed and raised it up so it was pointed right at their house. Maybe next time they'll mind their own business. Our next Reddit post is from Patient Adventurous. This happened when I, a 20-year-old female at the time, was a junior in college. I had taken a long weekend trip to Florida with a friend of mine to visit her brother and to go to the Universal Studios Fright Night Halloween event, which was awesome by the way. We had an amazing trip, and we were on the plane about to head home. This was only my second time ever traveling by air. So there I was, just excited to be flying in my coach seat waiting to take off. And we kept waiting. It became clear that there was some kind of problem with our plane, because the flight attendants started calling various passengers to exit to be placed on different flights so they can make their necessary connections. Eventually, after about 40 minutes, it was just my friend and I plus about 6 other people. And then it was our turn to leave the plane. We were sort of near the end of the group tromping back out to the waiting area. One couple, probably in their mid-50s, had stomped up ahead of us. And by the time my friend and I emerged from the gate entrance, the rude husband was already berating the pair of attendants, who, to their credit, remained poised and calm. They tried to reassure him, but he was talking over them. This is unacceptable! You better get me the same seats we had on that flight! This guy had been sitting in the front row of coach, the ones with no seats in front of him, and therefore the ones with extra legroom. By then, the rest of us had gathered around, and the attendants began addressing the whole group, offering reassurances, filling us in that there was a critical problem with the plane, which made me very glad for this change, despite the inconvenience. The rude husband kept going off throughout all of this, and when the attendants left to make arrangements for all of us, he and his wife sat there, and he continued to make commentary to his poor wife. Unacceptable. How dare they? They had better have some seats. And so on. Shortly, the attendants returned, and the man practically rushed them. I demand you make this right. The attendant smiled and said, You guys are all set, sir. And she smiled at him, specifically. I'm very happy to tell you that we have a flight leaving shortly, and we were able to give you and your wife the exact same seats that you had booked on the previous flight. I should hope so. That's the least that you could do, as he huffily returned to his seat. (laughs) Meanwhile, the rest of us are just waiting. The attendant then turned to us and said, And I'm happy to let everyone else know that you'll all be flying first class with us today. The rude husband was furious, and he immediately jumped up to ask why they weren't flying first class while the rest of us just sat there in stunned glee. 
The attendant just informed the man that she'd given him his request, and then she didn't stick around for more abuse. The wait didn't take long, and soon my friend and I were boarded into the unicorn, fabled place that is first class. As a poor air travel newbie, this was like some kind of fantasy land. It had huge seats, hot washcloths, and even though we were underage, we couldn't partake of a free cocktail. However, we did get to choose from a basket of Pepperidge Farm cookies. And the food! We got a whole meal, which was truly delicious. With real crystal salt and pepper shakers at each place setting and actual metal cutlery. Meanwhile, the rude husband was irate. My friend and I were in the last row of first class, which only had about eight seats, and we could hear him heaping abuse on the coach attendants. Going off about how those kids don't deserve first class, we should have gotten them because we're older and we deserve respect, not some kids. Someone else who was in first class, not from our original plane, caught on, and he was quite tickled by the man's ire. Then, the best part of all happened. One of the flight attendants from first class overheard the rude husband's tirade, with language specifically directed at my friend and me. Who do those kids think they are? The attendant shook his head and addressed me and my friend. I'm sorry about that. Let me take care of this for you. Then, (laughs) then he closed the curtain to the coach cabin. The rude husband realized what was happening, which made it even better. I got one last look at his red, irate face before he was gone forever. It was glorious. I have to wonder, OP, which was better, getting those first-class seats or watching that other guy not get first-class seats? Also, down in the comments, we have this story from Wapolonian. This reminds me of my first trip to Las Vegas back in the 90s. We got to our hotel at 1 in the morning, and at check-in, the people at the desk next to us were having a fit about being on the 10th floor the same as their friends. The desk clerks had a little huddle, and ours came back, explained the situation, and said, Would you mind terribly if we placed you a little higher up? It's all the same to us, so we were gracious and accommodating, which is how we ended up with a strip-view jacuzzi suite at the top of the Luxor Pyramid. I really hope the folks next to us appreciated being down on the 10th floor with their friends. It's been 26 years, and I still think back on that night with delight. That was our slash malicious compliance, and if you like this content, you can sponsor my podcast to unlock extra episodes. Also, be sure to follow my podcast, because I put out new Reddit podcast episodes every single day.